Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers, and you have just connected to Parkinson's Recovery. This is the station to visit on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, to obtain wonderful suggestions, tips, and ideas of what you can do if you happen to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. I've been doing this radio show now for about three years and have interviewed many incredible individuals who are forging new discoveries about what can help individuals who currently experience neurological symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. We are holding our second annual Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Cincinnati, Ohio on June the 22nd and 23rd at the Garfield Suites Hotel in downtown Cincinnati. Eighteen incredible and I might say remarkable presenters, individuals who are discovering what it takes to recover from the symptoms of Parkinson's will be present and offering workshops. It's going to be the event of the decade for anyone interested in exploring solutions that will help individuals recover from these neurological challenges. I'm sponsoring today a interview with one of the workshop presenters that I actually conducted about a year ago. Randy Eady from Delray Beach, Florida, is known as the Foot Whisperer. How about that for a name of an individual? And how about the innovative idea of approaching a therapy for Parkinson's through the feet? I want to read for you the description of the workshop that Randy Eady will be presenting to those who elect to join up and attend his workshop at the summit in Cincinnati this summer. His workshop is entitled Barefoot Doctoring, the Heart of Foot Whispering and Perfecting Posture. For thousands of years, the foot has been recognized as the area with concentrated energy pathways and the easiest and most effective place to begin to restore lymphatic fluid flow, release toxins, and encourage circulation. The foot is also known as the body's second heart. As incorrect or weak foot movement can cause an accumulation of acidic metabolic waste. This interactive presentation will permit participants to experience conscious design and subtle energy elements in ancient walking to primal rhythms movement and stone-stepping grounding that corrects this, increases sense of touch in feet and hands, and aids the body's pump in the foot. The plantar fascia windless, with a proper sequence of meridian energy activation. Now, if that doesn't sound interesting and engaging and exciting, I don't know what really does. Randy Eady will be at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit this summer. Any and all persons who attend the event will be able to afford themselves with the opportunity to get to know his approach intimately. 
Discover more information about the summit by visiting www.summit.parkinsonsrecovery.com. I'm now going to play this incredibly informative and illuminating interview with Randy Eady. My guest today is a truly fascinating individual. He's been recommended to me by several individuals who currently have the symptoms of Parkinson's and who report back that they have been able to get incredible relief from their own symptoms through working with Randy Eady. Located in Delray Beach, Florida, he is known throughout the region as the Foot Whisperer. He promotes the whole body health and balance through the treatment of feet. And he'll talk about a program that is designed to help both medicalized and non-medicalized individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So he has some quite fascinating stories to report to us. Randy, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad I was able to join you. So tell everybody about yourself. Well, I've um, been experiencing rehab therapy from the Department of Defense side of the equation for uh, over 16 years. And in the work that we did, I initially was assigned with movement and motion disorder conditions and some neurological muscle integration issues, particularly related to amputees. And so as we were looking at the process of understanding what was happening in the body, we started to understand this intimate relationship between what's happening with the sensations in the feet and how that relates to the rest of the body. Uh, oftentimes people know about this through reflexology and those kinds of applications and techniques, but coming at the foot from the standpoint of it really being the antenna of the body in motion happened to be a fairly um, revolutionary sort of approach, and we were able to get a lot of information back into the both allopathic and um, alternative medical community by looking at the equation this way. And it just so happened that uh, as we started to do this work, there was a lot of independent development in this focus through the feet as a way to address, um, in this particular occasion, um, Parkinson's recovery issues. Many people have the idea that in order to be able to treat Parkinson's, you need to be able to address something in the brain. Other people uh, believe that there's something having to do with the digestive system. Uh, other people believe it's a chiropractic kind of an issue, but you focus on the feet. How did you arrive at the notion of treating Parkinson's through the feet and not the stomach or the head or some other part of the body? Well, what's interesting about coming through the feet is it actually is interconnected and interrelated to many of the digestive areas um, that are talked about in traditional Chinese medicine. So we are getting at work with the, what we'd know as the kidney meridians, the liver meridian, the spleen meridian, the gallbladder meridian, but we're doing it in a very specified sort of protocol. And the way I came about this approach was understanding um, conditions like what's known as mal de debarkment syndrome, which actually is a condition that a lot of sailors can sometimes contract in which they have a sensation of continual rocking even after they disembark. And when we started looking at stimulation to the feet as a way to remedy this, this was seen as a neurological um, 
dys, dysrhythmia or dyssynchronization between the vesto, the eyes, and the ocular, the, the ears and the eye nerve sets. And so as I started to apply these techniques, I started to have conditions where uh, Parkinson's afflicted individuals were having really severe sensations with their feet. And we had a, an interesting overlap. That was one of my patients. <laughs> so we're out here in the therapeutic garden. Bye-bye. And so, um, I, and that's the other end, end of the answer, actually, is I work with young children that are in a special needs category. And then I also work with uh, folks that are in their later span of life. And as we link issues between the two populations, I was able to start to arrive at answers that seemed to work for both. So as we looked at the feet, what's very fascinating is if you do a somatosensory, so you do a proprioceptive map of the body based on how it is innervated, so how those nerve endings cluster, especially in all directions in the body, you'll, you'll get a map that has very protruding lips, You'll get a body that looks like that. It's got very, very large hands, sizable genitals, and then small, normal-sized feet. But the interesting thing about that map is that is a truly static map because what happens is once the body goes into motion, the nerve sets between the hands and the feet actually alternate. The feet become about the size of the hands to the point where the American Rehabilitation Association recognizes that the feet provide almost 70% of the brain's information for body movement once the body is dynamically in motion. That's actually a very interesting phenomena to then focus on with the sensation in the feet. And that's actually how I started to get into looking at the nerve responses. So what I would do is I would stimulate different areas of the feet and then activate the balance centers in the body. And once I activated those balance centers dynamically, we'd get astounding results. And that's what we started to see with the body's literal remapping of neural sensation and, and neuromuscular integration. Tell people once again that condition that sailors got. I know many people are going to rush to their computer and want to do a search on that particular name. It, it's um, abbreviated, as, abbreviated as M, as in Mike, D as in dog, D as in dog, S. So M-D-D-S. And the proper pronunciation is mal de disembouchement syndrome. So it's, it's basically a French term for getting sick when leaving the ship. <laughs> well, you, you you obviously have extensive training and uh, all of the neurological issues connected to the feed and know exactly how to treat and, and uh, where to push and how to stimulate. If a person's having motor difficulty, if they just begin to stimulate their feed in any way, will that help? Um, it's, it's a yes and a no sort of answer. I'd love to give the blanket responses yes, but the thing is, this is a great illustration. If you have peripheral neuropathy, and particularly in a diabetic population where the neuropathy, that sensation loss in the bottom of the feet, um, has also caused inflammation, so you have a pain factor connected with it, then you're layering on a psychological dimension of what the feet are going to feel like once you start to stimulate them. 
So one of the things that I have to do is I have to do uh, two two sets of responses. One, I have to see if I can get the foot comfortable enough to provide enough stimulation where we can start to break up some of the toxins that have built up in the bottom of the feet, uh, typically uric acid, calcification clusters, and calcium bicarbonate are the major components that build up around the nerve endings in the bottom of the feet. Fortunately, there's several approaches that we can use now for this, um, and one of them is a vibroacoustic technology, so we can get targeted vibroacoustics right into the feet, and particularly through the water. So I use a water medium. I use a uh, communal. It's called an Ashiyu foot spa. And so I have uh, my clients actually soak their feet for about 15 minutes before I even lay a finger on them. You soak it in this foot spa called Ashiyu, A-E-S-H-U-E-U-I? It's it's A-S-H-I-Y-U. So (laughs) I know you were tempted to say Gesundheit, right? So before you even actually put your hands on them or do any treatment at all, they have to soak their feet first. Right, right. Now, the other element of that equation is to have people then become body-focused. So by having the sensation come through the feet, um, this is an old beat, beat cop trick, actually, what they would train police officers to do when they wanted to move folks that uh, – were reluctant to move or were asleep on the street, is they would show them that what you do is you strike the bottom of their foot, and that radiates through the whole body. It's a very, very sensitive area. And as a result, what we do is when we have the folks, individuals, they relax their feet, then we can actually get in to those tense areas where the uric acid um, or these other calcification clusters or bicarbonate have built up, and we can start to dissolve those. Now, the fascinating thing about this in terms of Parkinson's is once we start to dissolve those crystals, if a foot is flexing properly, so if you have the plantar fascia flexing, it creates what's known in engineering terms as a windless effect, and it pumps the contaminants back out and into the body and through the kidneys and then out of the body. When the foot is not flexing, and of course numb feet is one of the conditions that oftentimes with the first occurrence in symptomology of Parkinson's, there's this sensation to flex the feet and almost activate, try to get what they feel as something stuck in there out. And when we start to revive this this sensation, you'll actually see um, some tremors come back because we are realivening that area. Now, what's interesting is that the psychological dimension of this, just like as I mentioned with diabetic neuropathy, the psychological fear of actually having pressure to the foot then immobilizes people. The psychological fear of not being in control of your movement actually starts to immobilize some of our Parkinson's sufferers. And so as we activate these nerve endings in the feet, we actually start to give them more confidence in their movement and their motion. So... A person who might currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's comes, they get the uh, treatment for 15 minutes of soaking their feet in the uh, she or foot uh, spa, 
And then you begin to attempt to activate these neural centers in the feet. How long does it take to be able for a person to be able to reactivate everything that needs to be reactivated in the feet? Uh, great, great question. It, in the initial experience that I'm having, I usually take about 15 minutes then on each foot, and I focus in on the structure of each foot because this is going to be coincident with a form of Tai Chi movement that I'm going to instigate with them. And one of the things that the body uh, very effectively communicates to a therapist through the feet is symmetry. Since the feet are carrying 98% of the body's weight on top of them all the time, anything that's out of balance shows up very quickly in the muscular tendon structure of the foot. And so as I go through each foot, I start to get a, a, a sense of what the body is looking like. I also look at the wear pattern and gait pattern both inside outside by examining the shoes while they're soaking for the 15 minutes. So at that point, after I'm able to move uh, a sufficient number of clusterings that I've discovered in the foot, so I'm able to move those toxins out, I'll then put them on uh, a portable acupressure walkway where it has stones embedded into it, and they will actually walk on the walkway themselves. They'll listen to their body and they'll activate these acupressure points in the bottom of their feet to greatly enhance the sensational response. Uh, that's that's actually a, a, an amazing thing to see happen because you can see people with enli literally enlivened feet and how much more uh, efficiently they start to move, both normally and, and bilaterally. This is a walkway with stones, then? Yes, yes. Now, this is a National Institutes of Health random control trial proven device uh, that was looked at based on traditional Chinese medicine gardens that have stones that people take their, uh, their shoes off and walk barefoot on on a daily basis as a, as a ritualized practice. But what they did when they studied this response at the Oregon Research Institute, is they looked at uh, the clinical measures of regulation of blood pressure and flexibility and balance, and they found clinically that those three measures were, were greatly improved, significantly improved with this acupressure walkway. Uh, so what it does, and that's where you really have to puzzle, and oftentimes um, we like to say that Western and Eastern medicine, allopathic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, sort of meet in different places in the body. One of them happens to be if you're diagnosed with hypertension, you'll often be sent for a renal, a, a kidney scan. And when you ask why that's the case, why am I getting this, this script to go and get a, a kidney scan, oftentimes the, in the medical Western world, it'll be hard for them to articulate why that's happening. In the Western tradition, it's difficult for them to see the uh, equilibrium of the body fluid flow through the kidney as a main center. Um, what we see with the acupressure walkway is that it's, it's clearly uh, and statistically significantly regulating the blood pressure through the activation of the kidneys. And, and I, I bring this up because now I have a foot in a situation with a Parkinson's patient where the 
foot is not going to flex sufficiently to be able to do the kind of detox that I want it to do once the body's in motion. So what I'll have to do uh, is I'll have to actually activate the kidneys from the saliva glands in the jaws. Now, that's a very interesting process because what people will report when they walk on the, uh, the cobblestone walkway is they'll report that their mouths are getting dry. And it's because the kidneys, when they need to flush these toxins that have been pushed back into the body through the feet, they go to the nearest reservoir of fluid in the body that's available, and that happens to be the saliva glands. The interesting thing from a Parkinson's standpoint is if you're having problems with choking or swallowing, what you can do is you can stimulate these three points in the jaw and actually get the saliva glands to almost milk and relax that tension in the neck and jaw. There are points that a person can press on around the jaw that will do that? Yes, there's a mandible point. There's a throat point, and then there's a, what's known as a sublingual point, so it's actually uh, midway down the jawbone. Uh, people can find this for themselves. If they just take the thumb and they just start running it down the jawbone, you'll find a little notch point on the jaw. And it's right at that notch that if you reach in just slightly and you start pressing, you'll notice there's a sensitive area. And you can actually, once you start pressing that, you'll feel the response of the saliva. What I, what I, and there's a sequence to doing this, and so the best, best way to illustrate how this is done, especially with children when I need to do this, is I'll actually hold um, a tasty morsel in front of them, and it's, <laughs> it's actually the sequence that the body activates. Uh, so it's, it's above, it's, it's the point right behind the jaw, um, where they meet. That's the first one, because that's loosening of the jaw. And then the one in the neck, and then the one in the in the tongue area. So it's jaw for loosening to chew, it's neck for preparing to swallow, and it's tongue for digestive element. People are probably thinking to themselves, acupressure walkway. I wonder how I get one of those. <laughs> Is that something that people can even get? Oh yeah, yeah. They're 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 readily available. They're, uh, the studies that were done on this were done back in 2005 and 2006, and it, the, the way I came in contact with them is I work with a a lobbying group in Washington D.C. that's called Generations United, and they advocate for interaction across the generations and the lifespan, and my program this Ancient Walking to Primal Rhythms program was the only one in the database that looked at improving balance and movement between children and seniors together. And so they sent me these maps because they had just granted the information and uh, the research funding to Oregon Research Institute, and uh, I received the maps at the same time to take them through a practicum trial. And uh, as a result, as I was working with them, I was devising them more for um, the realistic applications as opposed to the, the kind of clinical results that they were getting. So in my revised program, it makes it a lot more accessible to people 
to be able to come in and start using these devices. Somebody listening might be thinking to themselves, hmm, okay, well, I'm not sure that I want to go to the effort and the energy and the expense of getting an acupuncture walkway. Maybe what I need to do is just start walking on the rocks in my garden. Would that be advisable or not? Yes, yes. In fact, I have several of these built in public municipality areas. Um, I've put one in on the the campus here in um, Boca Raton, and then there are several actually up in the Pacific Northwest in in park settings. So um, you can see those. You can readily search those out. You can go to my my website, which you've got um, located on the information with the program, and and you can see examples of those walkways that are that are located in different um, different settings. And certainly you can build, this is definitely a, a do-it-yourself kind of operation where you can build one of these very easily. They're based on a long-standing tradition of what's known in Europe, particularly in Germany, as the Barfußpad, so the barefoot path. So to be clear for everyone, if they decide they want to go walk on rocks, whether they make them themselves or go to a public place or purchase an acupuncture walkway, it's not about walking with your shoes on, as I understand it. The idea is that you take your shoes off and either walk barefoot or or with your socks. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, there are levels of footwear that I use that are min- what they call minimalist. So you've often seen now these coming into the market where they separate the toes. There are little pockets for each one of the toes, and they, they kind of look like, as I've been often referred to, as walking around with gecko feet. <laughs> but, um, well, toe reflex response is also another uh, very important reflex to keep activated. Um, and so that's, again, why you want to have a broad toe box to prevent falling is that little micronic stretching of the toes actually neurologically instigates a response throughout the body. So a best illustration of this is I can take a seven-month-old who can't walk and make sure I have a very confident mom nearby. <laughs> and I'll take the child and I'll start to tilt it to the left or right, and you'll see the toes. The, the toes will actually spread. And, and that's a good indication of that, that response. That Babinski reflex, you'll see um, the, the foot being able to grapple and the toes being able to spread. And and so when you access things in your bare feet, now with, with the Parkinson's condition, what we have with this particular mat that I'm using is it's got magnets built into the stones, into the high point stones. And I can actually circumvent or, or obviate, that's just probably a better way to look at it, is... Uh, dystonia reaction, so on dystonia response, because I, um, unlike some of the folks that are using a foot-focused technique with Parkinson's recovery, um, I, I don't limit myself to someone that's only been uh, off medications or, or hasn't been taking synthetic dopamine um, responsive medications, because the synthetic dopamine response in the body, as the feet are stimulated by the stones, they'll they'll create a catastrophic response because, remember, that sensation that's coming to the feet, to the dopaminized body, is, is extreme stimulation that it can't, it can't control as a tremor. So what it does is it starts to 
curl the toes and cramp the leg muscles. Uh, if we take magnets and then rub the bottom of the feet right after that dystonia response and then put them right back onto the, the stone walkway, the cobblestone walkway, they will not have the dystonia reaction. So that's a very intriguing response that they are able to activate for themselves and really become an empowered patient on, on their own behalf. To be sure. Randy, can you describe what you mean by neurodiversity and how it can flourish under a program of what you term constraint-induced therapy, like your ancient walking to primal rhythms, unfocused eye movement technique? Uh, that's a great, great question. Um, because what we're seeing is when we're talking about constraint-induced, that's actually an illustration of delivering that kind of stimulation to the bottom of the feet that is rather chaotic. And as the body, the body adjusts and adapts to that chaos response, it starts to order the system. So one of the things that we do is we integrate then a technique to calibrate the three main balance centers in the body. So the unfocused eye movement technique is actually a technique that takes the eyes as the main balance center out of the equation and then it overstimulates the inner ear response and forces the body to use the often lagging proprioceptive sensation. And that, that sensation, that proprioceptive sensation, is simply knowing where our body parts are in time and space. And when you make the body do that without having the other balance centers to rely on, the calibration sequence with this constrained-induced therapy happens a lot faster, the, the holistic response in the body. Um, in other words, what I do in a typical one-hour session is I'll have someone try to stand on one foot with their eyes closed at the beginning of the session, and they may, may last just a few seconds. After we go through the session, I'll have them repeat that process, and they can pretty much stand um, for as long as they would like at that point, if they've got the musculature for it and the, and the, post, and the posture um, sufficient for it. So they get a sensation of what it is to have that kind of confidence back in the body. Explain more, if you would please, exactly what unfocused eye movement is. Well, we had a, a great session this morning as a, as a really good example. So when we're doing unfocused eye movement, what we do, this is actually a technique that many people may have been familiar with from watching ballerinas do pirouettes, um, watching people in martial arts spin around and kick a very high spot behind them. So what they're doing is in that time span between their target and their movement, so their focus point, is they are maintaining the body's positioning. So the best way to see that happen with a child is I, I take and I put little happy faces on each of their hands right below the ring finger. And what I'll ask them to do is I'll ask them to put one hand up beside their head and the other hand will come right down where the navel is as if they're shaking hands with the pizza delivery guy. And then I'll say, okay, what I want you to do is just simply alternate hands. Bring the hand that's up by your ear 
that has the happy face that you're looking at, bring that down to your navel and bring that other hand up to the other side of your head and look at that happy face on the other hand. But what I want you to do is keep your head completely level and your eyes only focusing on the two happy faces. And so as a result, what happens is the head pivots from one side to the other. And if you're looking at someone that was directly in front of you as you did this movement, so say you were going to do a patty cake, for example, with someone, and they were right across, and you were going to start with shaking hands and then your other hand up beside your ear. As you rotated, you know you're doing it properly when the person you're looking at across from you looks like they suddenly have gone from one head to two heads because your point of focus is only to the extreme left and to the extreme right. The eye stays unfocused in between the movement. And you also use this similar technique when you work with individuals who currently have the symptoms of Parkinson's too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, What I do is I do a technique. This is also a very accessible um, database of information. It's called Super Brain Yoga. And the component of the super brain yoga that I use in the ancient walking to primal rhythms is the stimulation of the master cerebellum point in the ear. It's, as you look at the ear, it's just above the earlobe, right on the edge of the ear. Uh, it's actually a notch that the thumb fits right into. And that pressure point, so it's well illustrated in the super brain yoga technique. That that particular pressure point is very important because it feeds into the limbic brain response. Because remember, what we're doing in the unfocused eye movement is as we rotate the head back and forth, we are actually activating a very interesting muscle set in the body, the sternocleidomastoid, so the neck muscles, which are fed by both spinal and cranial nerves. But that cranial nerve set feeds right into the olfactory part of the brain and the limbic brain response. So what we're doing is we're setting the body up for a very interesting survival, flight or fight response. It's, it's, it's trained to go, to move the head in the position where the rest of the body is going to go to. So that little pressure point on the ear actually connects into the archaic muscle set that used to allow the ear. You know, you know folks that can flex and move their ears voluntarily? Yeah. That muscle set still is in existence and feeds right also into the limbic brain. So you can see the coordinated response that we're doing with these nerve sets between the vesto, the visual, and the ocular, the, the eye and the ear response. What is walking to primal rhythms? So that involves sound as well? No, actually the, the, the rhythmic component of the ancient walking to primal rhythms involves setting up the rhythm of movement pattern in the body. And so what I mean by that is we all know muscle memory, training muscle memory and not the importance of that. But we don't really think about, well, what sets that muscle memory up? And so interestingly enough, what's often seen in um, 
physical therapy kind of a recreational therapy approaches with Parkinson's is folks like Angela will go out and they will play tennis. And, of course, their symptoms will go away as they play tennis. Same thing with boxing, see, same thing with bicycling, with, with swimming oftentimes. And so the interesting thing about that is what's going on? What's, what's creating that kind of remediation with the symptomology? And when you're looking at rhythm response, what you're seeing actually is that there's a central pattern generation of the rhythm such that if we're going to set up even the most simplest of motions, our brain anticipates that movement and that motion, and it sets up a whole cascading set of rhythms, much like a conductor sets up the orchestra. So in the ancient walking to primal rhythms is we're actually talking to that orchestra director, that conductor, and suggesting different ways for the conductor to set the patterns of movement up. So we're sort of keeping that central pattern generating coach on duty, not even involved in muscle memory reaction. So it's a very sophisticated kind of approach. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot behind what's happening with it. Um, deep brain stimulation is, is getting to that to a certain extent, of course, surgically. But we're looking at principally at, at you know, non-surgical, non-medical interventions here. So that's, that's what we're getting at with the, the rhythmic approach. Now, what I'm very excited about with the sound applications is I talked a little bit about using tuning forks in this water medium of the Ashiyo foot spa. That's still a very crude delivery system. We're, we're seeing now really nice targeted vibroacoustics in um, flotation tank systems. And so that's an intriguing area that's emerging as a um, accessible medical kind of device and tool that's using targeted vibroacoustics and harmonics that someone is actually um, lying in a – used to be they, they were always referred to as isolation or sensory deprivation chambers, but that's, um, that's long gone by the wayside. Now we've got uh, visual and auditory response and vibration response being delivered in those flotation tanks. We're very excited because we're going to have a, a new system brought into our area here in South Florida and Delray Beach. Oh, I would love to float in one of those tanks. Next time in Florida, well, <laughs> it's going to be your first participant. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited because when um, when we're trying to do this lowering of inflammation um, and neurolo neurological response in the in the feet when we can deliver that kind of vibration through the body. Because um, the interesting thing to think about with the isolation, the, the sensory deprivation of the float, float uh, therapy is what it's being referred to in the contemporary approach, is I, I put Epsom salts into the water a lot of times to make the water more conducive to the vibration. But I'm now putting in the pounds. Uh, they're putting in about eight pounds per gallon in a flotation tank. So you're you're actually in liquefied crystal. So you can imagine what the conducive effect of liquefied crystal is to the vibration. Um, and there's a lot of evidence that's supporting both inducement and migration of stem cell stimulation in that environment. So that that takes you into a whole other <laughs> scope of discussion. <laughs> oh, that 
sounds really exciting to me. What a development. What an invention. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I would never profess neurogenesis uh, in what we're doing. We, we could certainly sort of stimulate axions to create new pathways. And you know that through amputee response. So if you've got a, a person that's had a limb amputated and they also uh, they have coincident phantom pain, so they still have that pain from the, the limb that's missing. The fascinating thing about that pain is that innervation map I talked about, where those nerve clusters are the most intense, that's where the phantom pain is often the hardest to kind of eliminate. Uh, so the fingertips are often an area, for example, if someone has lost an arm, that, that it's hard to eliminate the pain with or the itching sensation. But when you do a technique called mirror-mirror technique and you have the brain look at the real limb as if it's the missing limb, so you have the brain thinking that the missing limb is now back in action and moving by holding a mirror to it and letting the brain see that response, right. the brain will set up a new neural path that won't try to run through the interference that it receives when it tries to go down the, the dead end, so to speak. So that is another fascinating um, element that comes into play in this technique that we're using with the ancient walking to primal rhythms. An eloquent solution to a horrible challenge that many people confront. Randy mentioned Angela. She was a guest on this Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show back at the end of last year. So you'll find she gives many, many, many fascinating suggestions and recommendations of therapies that she has tried. Angela's also written some information in a blog forum, and that I've given me permission to post that on the Parkinson's Recovery blog so you can see her story about what she's discovered is making a big difference. There's also a picture, I believe, of her at your clinic, and she's got her feet in the rocks, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so That's correct. That's she, correct. She, she talks about her experience with you, and uh, she was one of the individuals that strongly recommended that uh, it would be wonderful to have you on the show so people could learn more about your incredible work. You are known in the region as the foot whisperer. Many people don't live in Delray Beach, Florida, and are thinking, okay, I live in Canada, I live in California. If they look in the phone book for Foot Whisperer, will they find somebody locally that can help them, just like you help people in Florida? <laughs> That's a very good question, and I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I suspect that the type of therapy approach that we're using um, and the way that we've come upon it is probably fairly innovative in that sense. Um, so what they'll want to do is they'll want to um, source me. Uh, I'm very prevalent in terms of the connections between the foot whisperer and balance and the work that I do. Uh, so actually, you know, you've got the website there, but just a, a search of my name and foot whisperer balance is going to pull up several different blog sites that I contribute heavily to, including one that's very interesting called the Bunyan Experiment. Um, and this is a, uh, what I like about it is it's a very uh, objective, unbiased view of looking at alternative treatments for uh, Bunyan conditions with the feet. And there's a lot of evidence that we're seeing between um, alignment of the body and the posture and the work that I'm doing, particularly as I mentioned about the jaw and the saliva gland stimulation, but between where the points in the jaw and skull meet and those critical um, 
meningeal dural tubes that actually flow down the spine and connect into the pelvis. And the reason I bring this up is because when we're doing our movement therapy work with Tai Chi, um, we're really focusing on keeping the head and the pelvis in the proper position as we move so that we're very energy efficient. And there's a lot of research that's starting to show that when you can increase the energy efficiency in the body, if, if you look at Parkinson's like I do as an electrical problem, um, you can start to conserve energy and even do some amazing things with controlling. Uh, you can bypass the typical contralateral response that the brain does where, you know, most people know left brain controls right side of the body and, and vice versa. You, you can start to suggest, especially when you look at how the eyes and ear information is processed in the brain, it, it, it's not contralaterally processed in the brain. So it, it gives us clues. It gives us some keys into rewiring that connection more efficiently from the brain through the body. So that's a complicated answer, but I uh, just wanted to make sure that folks knew that a lot of this information is accessible out there. I'm Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and you have just been listening to an interview that I have had with Randy Eady, who is one of the 18 workshop presenters who will be attending the Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Cincinnati. The summit is actually not like a rock star concert, where the only occasion you have to see the performers is when they are on stage. That's not what we're about at all. The summer is an entirely experiential activity for everyone. You get to choose which workshops you want to participate in and attend, and you'll have a direct connection with each of the workshop presenters throughout the summit. Most of them will be available for consultations, for discussions, and in some cases for treatments if they're willing to make those treatments available, of course, for a fee. Each of the workshops uh, will cost 15, that's one five, not five zero, fifteen dollars, which will be paid directly to the workshop presenters and will cover, in most all cases, the materials that you'll receive as a result of attending that workshop. The cost of attending the summit is about as affordable as can be the cost for any such magnificent event as this. If you sign up for the early bird registration, it's a magnificent sum of 50, that's five zero dollars for the entire two days or $25 a day. We'll be doing some significant healing work on both evenings from 7.30 until 9 o'clock. Once again, you'll get to choose which workshops you attend throughout those entire two days. This really is the event of the decade. When you visit the Summit website, you'll see the listing of the presenters. Most all of them have been guests on my radio shows, and I know those of you who regularly listen to the show will find it to be exciting that you'll have an opportunity to finally meet all of these individuals in person. It's going to be a magnificent, stimulating event, an event that will afford individuals who participate and those who attend 
information about the many wonderful and exciting options that have emerged just recently that are helping individuals get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Once again, information about the summit is available at www.summit.parkinsonsrecovery.com. Be sure to also register for the hotel, which is filling up very quickly. And once again, the early bird special expires April the 15th. And at that point, the fee goes up to still a modest $75 per person or $37.50 per day. So that's the excitement that we have generated here through Parkinson's Recovery, a convening together of all the individuals who are experimenting and discovering what it is and what it takes to be able to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. You'll get exposure to many, many different options that can be considered. Which one of those options will be most helpful to you? That's why it'll be helpful to come to the summit so you can explore for yourself which of the options are those that will be most beneficial to you personally. The event has never been held before like this, so it really is the event of the decade for anyone who currently experiences symptoms of Parkinson's. I'm Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and that is what is happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the facts you are listening to this radio show today, that you are indeed on the road to recovery. I look forward to meeting and connecting with each of you listening to this show today in Cincinnati this June. Good day.